Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. from Indianapolis, Indiana, where we're looking for uh, 321 on cover. This is the award-winning stamp show here today. Episode number 321. Hey, what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. And this is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. So we get listener emails, so summon the answer squad. Our first email is from Al Anonymous. I've been listening to more of your podcasts about discovering fakes, and so am now a lot more cautious about bidding on items. Saw this on eBay yesterday, and it seems like a pos- and it seems like a potential fake as the cancel is too perfect. Well, Albert, take a look at this that was on eBay. Uh, looks like a Hawaiian, looks like a picture of a fake Hawaiian missionary. Um, well, it's not a picture, it's a real fake Hawaiian missionary. It's, a, it's an authentic fake. Um, but why don't you discuss real quick the Hawaiian missionaries and why this is? I'm going to put this on Facebook. Go to Facebook, take a picture or take a look at it. But basically, it's the three. I'm sorry, it's the 13 cent missionary. It's a weird color. It's like a light blue, and it's got sort of a grid cancel. It's a, like a waffle cancel. I call it a. It's a waffle cancel. So why is this fake? Well, there's lots of reasons why that's fake. Let's talk about what missionaries are. Um, missionaries are the very first stamps that were used out of the independent country of Hawaii uh, starting in late 1850. They include a two cent, a five cent, and two different types of 13 cent stamps. And they're printed on basically tissue paper, a very hard paper, and uh, called polar paper, but it's very, very thin. And we actually know that Postmaster General Whitney actually originally tore the stamps off of all the covers because it was strictly used as an internal bookkeeping thing. It was not, he would just send the covers with uh, stamped with the uh, Honolulu U.S. postage page hand stamp, and so that's why there are a number of covers that just have fragments of the missionaries on it, such as in the advertiser sale and in the Twig Smith sale. And uh, 
Um, so what makes this what, what makes that particular stamp fake is, for one thing, they never had a cancel that looked like that. The paper is wrong. The color of the stamp is wrong. The uh, uh, there's only two different types, and you can tell the two different types. One is the the P is slightly indented um, on the next line from the H, and on the other one they're actually in line, and they're printed they're printed side by side in little cliches of two. So other than that, though, it's a dead on, perfect uh, duplication. Oh, I wouldn't say that it's perfect. None of the none of the uh, none of the fine ornaments are the same. Um, the other reason that they're called missionaries is that, that uh, they were printed on they were printed with the same type that they printed missionary tracts, in other words, biblical tracts, um, um, by the uh, by the early Christian missionaries that were in Hawaii at the time. And it uses the same press furniture, and the press furniture on that—that's—I'm sure that's not a press-printed stamp. I'm sure that's a, that's a printed with either a uh, some sort of a laser printer, or if it's a more—it's it's an older fake. It's printed with a stone lithographed. We'll come here and look at the same person. The same seller had this. So that's supposed to be that's supposed to be a pair of the uh, uh, Hawaii uh, lithograph issue. Um, it comes Scott 27, 27A, 28, and 28A. There, the difference is is uh, um, and 27s the uh, late paper runs the lines run horizontally, and on 28 the lines run vertically. Um, that has a fake that has an imitation red Honolulu cancel and it has a it has an imitation uh, Honolulu target on it that stamp was primarily used to pay the two cent uh, inner island rate at the time and it has Kalukala on it no it ac actually does not it has Luna Lilo on it oh that's Kamehameha the fourth yeah <laughs> so I'm not up on my uh, Hawaiian you're not up on your you're not up on your kings huh so other than that, um, how about just that it's just it's a it's a it's a beautiful piece of engraved paper or printed paper. That's what it is. <laughs> what did they, what did they put as a starting bit on it? Um, it oh I don't have that, but the um, Hawaiian missionary sold for seventeen bucks. Well, what a bargain! I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna have to I'm. You know, there was a there was a company there was a company in Belgium called La, La Facsimile. Maybe we need to reincorporate <laughs> that and sell genuine facsimiles of real stamps. Well, it, to be realistic, you know, if you have that page, it's got those spots on it, and you have to fill it with something. So, you know, in my opinion, though, seventeen dollars to fill a spot is too expensive. But I could easily see these selling for. Five bucks. I've seen more. I've seen more than one collection that I've been brought in to look at, where they they actually cut the photos out of the auction yep. catalogs and mounted the auction catalog photos in a nice mound where that space came. Oh, I remember going to Jim Forty's. We just got back from lunch with Jim, and uh, he said, "Cash, do you have a good expert with uh, Germany?" And I said, yes, we have the best in the United States. Lotar Velo, hey, hey, shout out to you. We have the best in the country. 
And he said, great, can you uh, get this stamp expertise? So he goes to this book. He opens up the book. He opens it up to Danzig. It was a Danzig thing. And he goes, yeah, this is really valuable. And he takes his tongs and he lifts up and he pulls it out. And it's a photograph. I mean, immediately. <laughs> it's like, never mind. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Mike V writes, Cash, in listening to your last few podcasts on Stamp Show here today, you referred to Mark's hip stamp site. Can you tell us what it is? Now, I assume you know what a hip stamp site is, so maybe I think he just wants to buy stuff from you. So why don't you give yourself a plug? Oh, my seller ID on hip stamp is U.S. Mints, U-S-M-I-N-T-S. And uh, mention that you heard us and you will get a 0% discount on every single purchase. That's true, but when you die, you will achieve total consciousness. <laughs> Wow, that's something that uh, no other eBay seller is offering. Right. So this is episode number 321. So today we are discussing Scott's number 321, which is the two-cent 19... When was it issued? 1908. 1908. Uh, The original issue was uh, started in 1901. So this is the two-cent shield that came later on. And the three number 321 is the coil with horizontal perforations. It, uh, there was a very nice one that sold in Siegel. Uh, when did it sell in Siegel? What year? That was lot 299 of the um, April 30th. That's sale 1234, and that's uh, April 29th and 30th of this year. Oh, so it just recently sold. And it sold for $1.476 million, one, almost a million and a half dollars. That's after the tip, after yeah. the commission. Very rare. Very rare. So, uh, Albert, you happen to be an expert on this issue. Why don't you uh, tell people not only what it was and what the history is, but some ideas as to how to differentiate it from the fakes because... This stamp is a coil stamp. If you have a pair of scissors, you can cut off one of the sides, or as Mark was commenting, uh, booklet panes. Mm-hmm. You can cut off, you know, some of the straight edge. You know, make an extra straight edge, and all of a sudden you have a 1.5 million dollar stamp. How do you, uh, you know, tell the difference? Um. Buy a stamp with a current certificate. <laughs> so the company that keeps a good file of everything on online is uh, is uh, Robert A. Siegel Auction Galleries, and they will. If you look in the, if you search for three twenty one, they show five pairs, and they show a single on a cover, and a single on a cover, a legal size cover that has an additional pair of the uh, five cent imperforate Scott number 315. That's a five cent Lincoln. Right. Um, and what makes this pair so, so so nice is it's the it's the finest center of all of the coil, of all of the 321s known. And what we do know about the 321 is, is that um, that four rolls in February of 1908 four rolls of 1000 were produced. And this vertical format was never used again for because this was a period of time that they were doing experiments on coil stamps. 
and a supply of it was sent to the Parker's Vending Machine Company in Indianapolis, the only city where this stamp has, has, has ever been used, basically from the, for the two covers. And there have been uh, talking about um, the one-cent vertical coil, Scott, number 316, there have been at least two singles that have been found in the last two years or three years on postcards that have been authenticated. Um, it, has a, it has a certain width. It is a die one stamp, not a die two stamp. Um, that's really key for that. That's that little, the die one is uh, with that, the inner line at the lower left being smooth and of the same thickness as opposed to the die two where in the lower left corner there's a little um, thickness, thickening right at the corner. Looks like it's pregnant. Right. Um, one of the things that's really, really important is provenance. This, the item that just brought all this money had, had a very long provenance and had been, had been certified at least four different times before it was sold. And it was in a, uh, it was in, uh, um, it was sold in a little, little auction in Long Island. And then, uh, um, and so when uh, it was purchased by this gentleman named Gary Peterson, and so he was the consigner to the sale. Um, the perforations have to have a certain appearance that it actually went through the went through a real bureau perforator, but more than that, it should have the proper width, of and then the edges of the stamp have to have a certain orientation, uh, and certain type of cut if it's. Uh, the problem is, is with a pair of scissors or with a paper cut or anything, it doesn't match the same the same edges that a real bureau bureau knife would create. Why is that? It's just the it's just a bureau knife is weighs usually weighs tons, and so it it literally when you when you drops down on that that piece of paper, it uh, it makes a much more it makes a. Uh, um, I can only say it makes a much straighter line and makes a uh, uh, makes a cut that's totally different than anything you create with a pair of scissors or with a paper cutter. Well, I thought you these were drawn over knives. Knives is a not term. It's more like a, you know razor blades, but I thought it was pulled over razor blades. Uh, I, there's been there's a lot there's some. There's the experimental stuff. We know that were made by a group of women that that made them. Um, and they were they were just experimenting at the time. The earliest coils are actually stuff that uh, uh, we know the Bureau did experiments in the early yeah. 1900s before these stamps ever came out. And um, and they, they just, um, um, I mean, I happen to have a, a five-cent strip in perforate that uh, has Parkhurst perforations on it that match the ones that are, that's pictured in the Belasco book. But the, the edges are very crude. And just uh, FYI, when he said that women put uh, did these, it is literally true. They were uh, these were cut out of sheets. Well, actually, not sheets, paints. So you made a strip of twenty at a time, and then you literally took the selvage and lick or stuck it to the prior strip of 20 so that you just had strip of 20, strip of 20, strip of 20, strip of 20, and did that so for you, a so thousand you, So stamps. you had 50 strips of 20 to make up a roll of a thousand. Right. So this was not printed like today where you print coil rolls and 
it'll be a strip of 1,000 that is like a continuous 1,000. This is uh, literally sheets that were cut apart and glued together. So now you can make a 321, a very convincing 321, by cutting up a booklet pane, uh, which is the type 1. And the booklet pane of type 1 is fairly inexpensive, about 125 bucks. Yeah, but the orientation of the watermark is usually wrong. Right. Um, but you get a, but you get a, you get at least one side that is bureau cut, mm-hmm. and you get real perforations. Whereas the the cheapest way to make it would be from uh, a cutting up a 320 and then adding perforations. And we've seen both. Right. Um, the the one that's less likely to be made from a booklet pane would be 322, which is a less expensive coil. But the booklet pane is also real expensive. The booklet pane's about 900 bucks versus uh, the coil stamp, which uh, cats around 7,000. 322 is a is a different case because it has it's it has a totally different color and appearance, and I believe that 322s are all die twos. Yeah, they're all twos. Yeah, and so and the booklet pane die two is is more. Yeah, it's rare. Right, and it has a very particular color. That's all I can say. I I have a 322 in my reference a pair. Mm-hmm. Why don't we discuss color? Because in my reference collection, I have two cent shields of the correct color and of the wrong color. And when people send me pictures, I will send, you know, like I said before, you know, people send me pictures all the time. Today at lunch, a person sent me 114 pictures. Please don't send me 114 pictures. <laughs> but um, I will send a picture of it saying, this is the color of a 321. This is a color of a 322. Let's discuss color real quick because... This, in my opinion, is the easiest way for you to tell if you have a 321, a 322, or a three, uh, 319 with the perforations cut off. Well, it, in, in a 321, it has to have that, that particular kind of carmen, carmen rose color. If you actually look at all the if you actually look in the Siegel, in the Siegel search, um, you'll notice that that uh, most of the pairs come centered a certain direction. That's really important. And they also and they also have, they're all basically of the same color. And the color in, if I, it's difficult to describe because you know, we're, you know, I can hold it up to, to the microphone, but that doesn't do any good. The 321 is a rose carmen. It isn't a pale rose carmen, it isn't a carmen. It is a rose carmen. And so uh, if you know that color, if you know the differentiation of what the rose carmen looks like, then you got it. But it isn't a carmen stamp or the pale rose carmen stamp. So it has a nice red color to it. There are a bunch that I see that either have a really dark red color with no rose in it, or it's like the pale color. And on those, you just look at it and immediately go, huh, wrong, no, no, not even the correct color. But now 319 comes in a lot of different shades. I mean, there are several that um, that, that the Scott catalog identifies, um, Lake, Carmen Rose, Scarlet, but there are lots of shades of this stamp. Yeah, there's a lot of in-between shades. That's one of the problems in typing the shades just based on the Scott catalog. 
Yeah. Well, how many 322s were made versus 321s? 321, they made 3,000 of them. They made three rolls. That's it. And so since they made three rolls, they were all made at the same time, basically with the same ink. 322s were made over a period of time. And I, nobody knows, but in my opinion, um, I think probably these 321s fell apart too easy because it's a perf 12. And th because it's on the short side of the stamp, there's not as many paper connections. Right. And so I can see this very easily uh, ripping in the dispensing machines and that being a common thing that has to be fixed. Well, I don't, I don't personally know of a 322 on a cover. Well, there's not very many of them used at all, is there, that have been seen? I don't think so. Yeah, there's, there's nothing priced in the there's, catalog. There's the, mostly the 322s that I know of are unused. Yeah. Unused. I mean, there were, I have seen as large as maybe a strip of four or even a strip of five. Um, I was, I it took, I had the privilege of buying the coil lot, the coil lot in the wheel sale, the wheel stock sale at Christie's back in the mid 90s. And there were, um, there was, there were two genuine pairs of 322, both signed by uh, Philip H. Ward, who was a very important collective dealer out of the Philadelphia area. And then the other thing there was, there were uh, three terrible but genuine copies of 389, the three cent orange per coil, mm. that were in the lot, as well as about as well as about two dozen fakes. But the wheels that actually marked the stuff on the thing is fake. And my memory is Dana Oki was the underbidder on the lot, and I thought it was interesting because it had a lot of specialized material, had a lot of uh, interesting paste-ups and splices and things like that that you don't normally see. And uh, But as far as 322, the, the key thing is is that it's a die two, and it's, uh, right. um, it's, a, it's got a brighter color, uh, brighter, ro rosier color is the only way I can describe it than the 321. Well, again, rose versus carmine. Carmen is what people would say is red. Rose is more of a pinky, pinkish sort of red. That's the only way I can find to describe it. So a 321 has that sort of pinkish tint to it. You know, it's sort of like the color you'd see on a... Um, I don't know. What, what's, what's something that... The listener right now is driving down the road listening to us. What can, what can we refer this color to? I mean, it's not the color of a stop sign. That's Carmen. Yeah, it's more like uh, pink. the color of pink bubblegum ice cream. It kind of lends, you know, yeah, cause it's not, that area. It's not Valentine heart pink. Right. It's, it's like a reddish pink. Yeah, you might say it's a more pleasing yeah pleasing shade but um uh what about the uh the difference between the two types there's only there's only two indicators type one and uh, uh, uh between type one and type two you've got that extra line on the on the uh, side of the laurel leaf which is it, really difficult to, right and yeah. then you've got the the corner which the the corner uh, it, it's a corner line and so the type two is just a little bit thicker sort of like 
when a snake is eating a mouse. Yeah, that's a good example. That's a know. good. That's that's a that's a good idea of what. what so you there's call it. that little bulge, um, and but that's it. That that's that's the only indicators. I like that a snake eating a mouse. Right. That's the, a really, um, that's a much better than the line has a pregnant bump. Right. Um, but a, a lot of these stamps, uh, the impression is very fuzzy. And uh, and the price difference between type one and type two, uh, uh, even on three nineteen, can be vast. Um, you know, many times difference. So, um, how is it? Uh, how do you tell a difference between a type one and type two when you've got a, a fuzzy impression or a cancel? I I can't say that I've had very much very much trouble determining between a type one and type two, and I've actually built a reference collection of type ones and type twos on cover. Just to get just to get some idea of when they were used, mm -hmm. um, um, there are there are some shades that are not in the catalog that I, f I find are relatively scarce on cover, but I I haven't had any trouble at, at least personally determining the difference between type one and type two just because I look um, I I can I can see that but it's either has the it either has it's either eaten the mouse or it hasn't eaten the mouse. <laughs> So it's either a successful snake or an unsuccessful snake. <laughs> right. Um, and the other thing is, at least with 322, I have a pair that, that I've purchased in that, that lot that's my, that's my reference shade. And, my, and I've, had, I've owned maybe eight or ten pairs. But on 319, you really can't use shade as a differentiating, differentiating factor between type one and type two, right? Because they both. No, I'm looking for the. I'm looking. I'm looking for the successful snakes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm. I'm. I literally have gone through five thousand three um, two cent shield covers looking for interesting things. Mm -hmm. um, there are. Uh, um, there was a very important sale of. Uh, there was a very important collector of the two cent shield that sold his collection through Nutmeg. I remember. I remember going to Connecticut and looking for like three days to determine what was in the lots. And I, I bought, I don't know, 15 or 20 things I really liked. Okay, so let us assume that a couple of our listeners out there don't have a million and a half bucks to pay for this stamp. How, w how are we going to fill this slot? I would just put it. I would just put an imperforate in there, an imperforate pair, like if it's got yeah, three twenty, three twenty, just because it's easier. Yeah, that yeah, you can poke some holes in it with the with the ballpoint pen or something. I think I'd rather get a uh, pair. Well, actually, finding a pair of three nineteens isn't going to be a really easy thing to do, and then. Well, Cutting off the perfs, it's going to be way too small. Especially 319s that have big, wide, yeah, left you, and right. You you would have to get like a straight edge. And that's why I suggest you, you just put a vertical pair in there. Instead of a 321, you could put a vertical pair of 320. Yeah. Or if you want to make, make, somebody, make somebody's day, you can always put a vertical pair of the lake in there. Or you could go on eBay and see all the ones that are misidentified because... Actually, we went on eBay, and there were no misidentified number 321s on today. Nope. That was a, a remarkable thing because usually, uh, you know, this is one of the stamps that is terribly misidentified, and, you know, it's always at the, on the first page of the search. Yeah. They go, 
two-cent Washington. And they don't say it's a coil. They don't say what it is. So they're abiding by eBay. Right. And, and what I've seen some people do is they say, two-cent vintage Washington. <laughs> there, is, there is some value to looking, looking at all usages from Indianapolis in that period of time in the middle of 1908, both for one-cent and two-cent um, stamps on postcards or on envelopes. Mm. Um, as I said, some there there are the, I know of two three six two items that have been certified as three sixteen that have that have recently in the last couple of years been certified by either the people here at PSC or by the Philatelic Foundation. No, people find stuff, no question about it. Yeah, you could fill. I mean, it, it's desirable to fill that space in the in the in your uh, album. With a uh, a three nineteen pair or a couple three nineteen pairs that with the with the perfs cut off, but um, but you've got to make sure that your that whoever gets the uh, the the album later a you know a, a wife or a or a son or something that that they know that's not the real stamp because otherwise yeah. they may they may pin their their hopes and dreams on. Uh, on, on the fact that you've got uh, you oh, know, yeah. a half a million dollars worth of stamp, you know, stamps in, in filling two spaces, and then uh, and then have your dreams crushed uh, the first time you talk to a, a philatelist. Oh well, yeah, I know a uh, the personal experience. There was uh, a father died, and he had a son and a daughter, and the daughter hated the son because the son stole a C3A out of his collection. Now this collection, I saw this collection. First of all, he was not rich. Second of all, the whole damn collection was probably worth a hundred bucks. So he had a hundred dollar collection and somehow he had a C3A in there. I told her it's not possible. He didn't have a C3A. Find a better reason to hate your brother. <laughs> right? Yeah. And she didn't believe me. It's like, there's no way he he had a C3A. I mean, it's just not possible. Yep. So, you know, there is uh, these stories that come up. Another story uh, that I felt the worst about is um, a person, a fellow died. His uh, son got the collection, brought it into PSE. And the pride and joy of this guy was a number 67, a five-cent uh, olive brown Olive brown is the color. Color. Uh, the 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 nice one is the olive. I know it. Olive. I forget what the is. It's olive. Olive bister. Olive brown. I. Well, the the sixty seven alone is buff. Is the color. Oh, okay. Well, it's, the, it's, the, the two good colors. Olive are, yellow. Yeah. Is is sixty seven A is brown yellow and sixty seven B is olive yellow. It, yeah, olive yellow, and uh, it was the pride of his collection and he sh he kept the receipt with it and he paid like $5,500 from it when that was a lot I mean it's still a lot of money $5,500 is a lot of money but it was a huge amount of money <laughs> oh yeah you guys got to clean your refrigerator we did that's all that's all new that's all new stuff in there. <laughs> new stuff in there. <laughs> Literally put in yesterday. <laughs> uh, engineer Tom just walked in, went into the uh, refrigerator and uh, 
left he he was very quiet instead of uh saying hi to everybody so i'm sure he meant to say hello to everybody anyway so he this was the pride and joy of his collection and finally when he brought it in it cataloged twelve thousand dollars or something so uh he it would have been a really great return on investment and we got it to certify because they wanted to sell it and it turned out it was a removed cancel shaved stamp on a reba- uh, rebacked so the thing was totally fake and you know the, the guy this was the pride of his collection and it was a totally fake stamp that he paid real serious money for yeah that's unfortunate yeah one of the great detective stories is uh, with Scott number 321 when Lou Grunin um who is a great, great collector, showed his 20th century U.S. He had a 321 on a legal size envelope. Uh, it was at some time in the late 50s, somebody had removed the pair of the uh, five cent imperforate Scott number 315, and they weren't reunited until until this century. Mm-hmm. And the, peop- the, the person who reunited it first had to buy the cover with the 321 single on it, which I guess would brought like $110,000. And then he paid, I guess, another 50000 for the uh, 315 pair to put it back together. But it's now been, it's now been uh, put back together with a PF certificate from 2019 that says that it is a genuine Scott 321 with a tear at top right and light horizontal crease and genuinely used on this cover from which a vertical pair of Scott number 315 was removed after the issuance of the original certificate in 1954. So he had to find the used pair. Right. And uh, and, and pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> the pair, I believe the pair was sold at a cherry stone sale in New York. and uh, But it was a great thing to have this finally reunited. Yep. yep. So there are two there are known two, used two known on covers. covers. Right. The legal size with the legal size we just talked about, and then the single that was uh, the single that was uh, uh, in Robert Zollner's collection that was sold at Seagulls. And they were canceled in Indianapolis. 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 Yeah, ah, that's where we're broadcasting. From. Yes. So everybody, when you get uh, out of your car and uh, are in front of a computer, um, pop into Google and type in Scott's number three twenty one. And you will see a bunch that are not 321s. But, you know, pull up the ones that are real. You know, go to Siegel. Do the search. But look at the color of the 321. It is a distinctive color. You will see lots of these that are not this color. And one of the reasons is that, like Mark brought up, they're easy to fake out of a booklet pane because they're horizontal with uh, excuse me they're vertical with horizontal perforations that's the layout of a booklet the ones that are vertical with a horizontal perforation or excuse me horizontal these are vertical these are up and down with side-by-side perforations the ones that are side-by-side with up and down perforations you can't make out of a booklet paint so much because it, it requires you to re-perforate the bottom. No, you can't make. No, no, no. You'd have to reperforate the side. Anyway, you can't make it out of a booklet. Yeah, yeah, you can't make it out of a booklet. Yeah, unless you have a damaged booklet pane, it, it really doesn't pay. 
Right, so this can be made out of a booklet pane. That one kind of can't. Yeah. But again, booklet panes, the paper was put in sideways, and so the watermark is sideways. So instead of USPS reading like normal, it reads up and down. Yeah, so you can you can fake it with the 519 pair and have real perforations, but you won't have genuine straight edges. And the other one, you could have one genuine straight edge, real perforations, one fake edge, and incorrect watermark. Right. And with 320, you can have, you can have real edges, but fake perforations. Right. Because it was imperforate. Now, if anybody wants to know, learn a little bit more about the Parker's Vending Company, I recommend the uh, Stephen Belasco book that was published by the United States Stamp Society about private vending and affixing coils and machines. And should we point out that Mr. Belasco is also one of the co-inventors of the tube sock? I guess so, but he's no longer with us. Yeah, but yeah, he's not here to refute it. <laughs> Which means it must be true. Right. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.